Okay, ready for our next portion of the regenerative business series? I am. So this is another killer moment from the regenerative business masterclass that was on June 13th. And I'm using killer intentionally because we're going to be talking about killing off your ideas, <laughs> your excess creative ideas that are beautiful beings, but can't actually realistically come to life in the 3D world, or practical steps for making it happen, and ways to build out your life so that it is supportive of your prolific creativity, and how that impacts your business, which is wonderful. Okay, let's get in. There is this realistic side of when you have this prolific creativity that is aligned with nature where it creates more than is actually able to survive. <laughs> so when you have abundance, like a full tree full of mangoes, there's going to be rot or things you can't eat. And like, maybe you are super efficient with the entire system and you sell all the other mangoes and you, or you make them all into jam and whatever. But when we're talking about creativity of ideas within a business that lives in this 3D reality or the 3D reality of your team, things have to die or you have to intentionally kill them. So Simone, you talked a little bit about this around killing your creations, but I think it's it's so perfect here. And you and I were talking back and forth a little bit about killing your creations. So um, some things that I think of that help with this of like, if you're prolifically creative or you have a million ideas or you want to act on all of these different things and it needs to happen, like some ways to address the fact that they can't all happen, at least they can't happen now, is enforcing rest. Because most of us have been conditioned to overwork and to keep going and be productive and always be doing things. And where it might feel nat unnatural to rest, it's actually the thing that our body would need if we weren't conditioned to work all the time. So enforcing rest, having support from friends or your team to tell you no, <laughs> other people in your life to tell you no. Thanks, Julie. We love you. Um, Having creative outlets outside of work. So we've talked about this. Deciding what will live or die and what you want to kill. And we're going to get Simone's insight on this. And she, uh, also with that is seeing a longer timeline that things don't have to happen right now. So let's, Simone, let, let's hear your, your input here. So I think you know, a lot of people struggle with having too many ideas, right? If you're here, you probably identify with that at least a little bit. And I actually think that being stressed out by having too many ideas is a little bit of a scarcity mindset because implicit in that, in that anxiety is this idea that unless you take action on all of them or unless you pick the right, right in quotes, right ones to take action on, then something bad is going to happen, right? And you can ironically assuage a lot of the, oh my God, I have so many ideas of what to do by trusting, trusting that there's always going to be an infinite number of really great ideas coming your way, that you are 
a channel of an unlimited number of great ideas. And also that the thing that you're going to decide on next out of the 5 billion ideas, this is the one that I'm going to try next, trusting that that is good. Like trusting that whatever choice you make, you're making the right choice as long as, long as you're moving forward, as long as you are contributing to your own body of work. And I think I don't get and I used to, I don't get stressed out anymore from the number of ideas that I have that all, you know, feel very urgent because I know that there's no imperative to take action on, on them right away. And in fact, I think I even have this thought, I didn't really articulate it to myself until now, but I think I have this thought that if, okay, there's a million ideas that are worth doing, right? And if I don't get to all of them, someone else will. And like, in a good way, like we're all doing this together. I think this is also part of kind of opting out of the myth of the lone hero. Like I alone have to single-handedly save humanity. No, I don't. I am getting all these ideas because I'm plugged into the collective current of creativity. And I just have to show up and do what's fun for me. I have to show up and do what feels aligned and possible and sustainable for me right now. And everything else the universe takes care of, right? Other urgent tasks will go to other people. And whatever I'm doing to move my thing forward um, is enough. If I pick one butterfly flower a day, that's enough, right? And there's always going to be more. And so that is not, not, not to say that this works perfectly for me because Sam and Julie, who are in my team, they're pretty much their full-time job is telling me, no, Simone, you can't do that. Nope, don't do that. Nope, you're going to regret it. Nope, you just did that. You can't do that. Nope, you need to take a break. Nope, you need to go on vacation. No, nope, I'm not scheduling that, right? So <laughs> there's a part of it that's like, ah, but, ah, and I have to try really hard. It's a very active, involved process for me to intentionally slow myself down because otherwise I, I overload myself. So that's a thing too. And having... Uh, ironically, kind of like having a no squad instead of a yes squad where your friends tell you no, not because they don't believe in you or they don't want you to do things, but the opposite, because they see you and your genius and your gifts and your creativity so much and they value it. They can tell you when you're overloading. They can tell you when you're overworking yourself. They can tell you when it's okay to trust having to do less, right? So um, and oh, the seeing a longer timeline thing is so important. I think this culture of business has us focused myopically on the next quarter, in the next half year, in the next year, next three years, next five years. Well, I like to remind everybody, if we're all lucky, we're going to be around and kicking and working and creating and playing for many, many more decades, right? Um, inshallah, right? And so how do we do this? If we're going to be downloading crazy genius ideas in infinitely for the next five, six decades, however long we each of us has left, then how would we go about this? I, my bet is that it would feel a lot less urgent, a lot less frantic. Oh, I can take the time to do one thing at a time. Amazing. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, my only question here for you, Simone, is, is do you, is there anything that is a clear indicator for you of this is a, this is a yes has to happen now. I shouldn't kill this feeling or um 
I'm careful to answer that question because I don't want my answer to become prescriptive in any way. And no matter what I say, it will become prescriptive if you hear someone say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, perfect. But, you don't have to answer yeah. them. No, no, no. But so I, this is an invitation for people to figure out um, and s- slowly learn the process of your quiet yeses that have to actually happen now. I think everyone's way of feeling into your like quiet yeses versus like anxious yeses, that's going to be your own process. I think it'll be different for all of you. But for me, it was definitely um, something that a sense that I honed over time, it became sharper over time between like, what genuinely has to happen now versus what is pretends like it has to happen now, but it doesn't really, right. And sometimes I I can tell the difference between a fresh idea that I download that feels really sexy and exciting, but I don't necessarily have to take action on versus an idea that feels like I've been pregnant with it for nine months. And if I don't give birth, something really terrible is going to happen. So I have to give birth now. So sometimes like sexy new ideas, I can kind of like, I often, a lot of times let them go because I want to take more time to be in relationship to that idea. I want that to kind of germinate and flower a bit more to kind of like figure out our relationship. Whereas some things I, 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 big action, really big, dramatic public facing action. I tend to take when I have that like nine month pregnant feeling. And as soon as I said that, I realized that's also not true. Sometimes I do things just because just pure based on gut instinct, like, no, 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 this has to happen now. But I promise you that if you keep practicing and I say the word practicing because it is a practice you have to practice it like playing the violin like playing chess or whatever or whatever it is um practice um tr- uh, you know trusting yourself and making decisions and your sense of your judgment your inner judgment the the calls that you hear from the spirit of your business it's going to get sharper and sharper in time with practice Okay, so I know that you enjoyed that. Um, and that was a small little snippet from the Regenerative Business Masterclass. I'll be back next week with another highlight from the entire two hour presentation and training. And we actually do a regenerative death ceremony and ritual, live group ritual within that. So if you want access to that, you can go to thedirtyalchemy.com slash masterclass and for free access and instant access to that entire training and ritual. So go on and do that and I'll see you soon.